good evening and welcome to the Gunnerstown pub for this celebratory discussion of the probably one of the best North London derbies in the last couple of weeks, definitely. <laughs> um, yes. And I'm joined tonight by um, Merv. Merv, nice to see you. What are you drinking? Nice to see you too. It's the Emirates experience for me and it's Camden Hells. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And with us all the way from Cape Town um, with an unknown it's his girlfriend. What's what's her name, my love? His name is Dusty. Oh, okay. Sorry. Dusty, <laughs> I, shouldn't have made a, I shouldn't have made assumptions. Anyway, we've got Olaf here. Olaf, what are you drinking? Um, I wasn't. I was drinking coffee until we won. And then I decided I'd be a bit silly sitting in the pub drinking coffee. So I'm now having a pineapple daiquiri out of okay, a bottle. Well, I, I'm drinking a, another goldfish. This is my third goldfish bowl full of gin. Which is a severe gin and tonic, Tanqueray, um, tonic, and it's delicious. And it tastes all the sweeter because of that result, which we did everything we could in our power to um, to not make happen. Um, <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah, towards the end, we tried to negate it quite, quite, quite uh, actively. Yep, we did. We sure did. I've got um, I've got a. I'm going to try a different format for tonight. So what I'd like to do is um, you know, in, in the kind of pub tradition. Um, but obviously we're on 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 camera, and you know this, we can't talk over each other like you can um, in a pub. Um, but I'd like to just start um, with like a minute. Um, your hot take on that game, uh, each of you. So Merv, you want to you want to start just just your hot take and overview. How do you think you? My hot take. Um, I was concerned at the beginning uh, when I saw the team, and there was all the stuff about Bamiyang being disciplined. I thought it's the last thing we need, although. I, I felt that bringing Lacazette in to maybe hold the ball up uh, was a good idea if they were going to play Smithrow and Odegaard. Uh, nobody running through, but but I thought it was good. My hot take is uh, we seem to do everything but score. Um, and then I, I, I hate to be gifted them the chance because obviously it was an exceptional finish. But I mean, it's kind of... It, it, we, we seem to just in, invite... Uh, them onto us when they, they didn't seem to be in the game. And then I felt we turned it round. We were some of the play with, with uh, uh, Odegaard, with, with Smithrow, Tierney out on the left uh, was fine. They obviously targeted Saka. I thought it was right to bring on Pepe. Um, and with the penalty, I thought we can sit back down to 10 men, 3-1. And who knew? Who knew that I was going to be no nails left by the like 93rd minute? And then, yeah. like the ninety-fourth minute, Kane gets another free kick on the edge of the box. But um, yeah, never mind. Never mind. Really, it, really it was there in the sounds... end. It was kind of the one you want to be there because you love the tension when you're there within the stadium, mm -hmm. but not at home. <laughs> not at home, um, Olaf. Uh, your hot take. You just a more of a summary. We'll go into details um, in a bit, but just your general impression. You know. Hot take. Um, when I saw yeah. the team sheets, uh, I thought it was acceptable. I didn't quite question at the point why Aubameyang wasn't there. Um, only read a couple of minutes later about the discipline issue. Uh, in, in previous North London derbies, Lacazette's always been very good against Tottenham. So I almost thought it was a, it was a, for me, it felt like a natural selection and maybe Aubameyang was going to get a bit of a rest. Um, and then I also was reasonably impressed with the with the, the Erdegaard with Smithrow together, for example, and Saka. So I thought that was great. Um, um, I think we controlled the game. 
uh, I don't think, and, and, and they were really as up to it uh, as, as they could have been. I mean, because they had a formidable front row. Uh, uh, their, their front line was incredibly strong with, on, on paper, you know, with the likes of Mora and Bale and and whatever. Um, however, the hot take for me is that I'm glad we won. It was absolutely nerve-wracking uh, towards the end. Um, but I guess, you know, with the way we were always after the second, uh, we always won the second ball, and then there was the period that we didn't. I think we controlled the game pretty well. Um, but we, as always, we do make it slightly hard for ourselves. Um, but I think that ultimately the difference, I think, was Smithrow and Odegaard did very, very well for us. Um, and I think all round, I can think uh, between the manager and the team, I think it was a, a good performance. And they deserved the three points. And we deserve to say that North London is red. We absolutely do. Um, you know, I saw uh, it was an interview with Mourinho. I think it was the pre the pre presser from yesterday. And um, somebody asked him about the North London derby, and he said, oh, uh, you know, we don't look down the table. I don't, I only look up the table. I only look at, you know, the people above us. And Arsenal's, what, seven, seven points, is it? As if he didn't know, you know, like seven points behind, you know. So, like, why would I even bother? For us, it's just another game. And I just so desperately, desperately, desperately wanted Arteta to, you know, you know, to get this one and not be the first manager to lose his first three North London derbies, which apparently is... You know what could have happened so it was really um it was really cool um it was really cool to see us grind out that result because let's face it we grounded out um we did it seemed like everything that we could to shoot ourselves in the foot but um they ran out of time <laughs> to witness that and i'm very i'm very grateful for it so um uh what was the highlight um of the match for you merv um was there a particular highlight um I mean, in terms of uh, kind of, I suppose, incidents, I, I think the, the, the move for the first goal overall, I was excited and uh, leading up to the penalty. But I think the highlight for me overall was the consistent, you know, Tierney, Smithrow, Odegaard, the way we were taking the ball to them, the patterns they were making uh, down the left-hand side in particular. And then Pepe, when he came on, I just felt that when we were in the ascendancy, we were using the width very well. Yeah, Tierney is brilliant. Uh, Smithrow is brilliant. Erdegaard's brilliant. Saka's brilliant. Yeah, we've got some great young players there. Um, and so, for me, the highlight was was how those four played. And Olaf, my highlight was uh, Eric Lamella getting sent off. <laughs> I called that, <laughs> that in the, like the twenty fifth minute of the first half. I called that. I was like Lamella red card incoming. Every you know, time you I, could just see it. Yeah, every time I watch him play. Uh, for Spurs, I, I, I dislike the man intensely. He's um, a spunty little I, vampire. I know. I, I saw you tweet that. I, I I just said he was a thug, but not in a good way. You know, not like a thug life kind of joke thing. But he's yeah. an absolute <laughs> thug, and I think that's why uh, the likes of a Mourinho kind of send him on when they do, because he just kind of breaks everything up. And he's. But anyway, the, the highlight for me was he got what he deserved, which was. He was doing a, a heck of a lot of fouling up until that point. He got his yellow. That uh, his card, his yellow card, should have been a red uh, out of out of straight away anyway with studs up. So absolutely. Um, so that that was um, um, the highlight. Um, and I'm and, and while I'm mentioning it, I'm, I'm immensely surprised that there wasn't a red card given to Harry Kane again. Bloody cheat! 
Um, yeah, for, for that, that, that late for that, for that late thing shove uh, on, on Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I the, agree with that. Okay. Oh yeah, that was it. That was a great highlight. But Lamella's red card was a highlight, and I mean, you know, nobody wants to see players get injured. But um, when I saw Son and basically the first, you know, movement that he had when they were chasing up to press Leno, and I just saw him pull up, and I was like, mm, that, you know, <laughs> that's a relief because he's been a, he's been a bit of a niggle for us, you know, um, niggle, I said, um, uh, and um, yeah, so the 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 Lamella red card, I think, you know, it was it was strange because I thought that that would bring us some relief, but as is usual, um, the team that has ten players suddenly seems like they <laughs> they found how to play together, you know, because Spurs kind of seemed to dominate from that point onwards, and that's that's when the, the nail biting really started for me. It just felt like we were um, we were not handling that um, change very well. after after Lamella was sent off, that, that's, that's, that, that was the best period of the game for them. They were pressing yeah. harder. They, they, they were taking more shots on goal. I think, you know, um, up until that point, I think they had one shot on target, as an example. So, um, But when he went off, suddenly it kind of uh, necessitated that the rest of their team had to step up a bit. And I think that's why it was quite nerve-wracking towards the end, because up until that mm. point, it was, uh, you know, mm. reasonably yeah. well handled all round. Right. I think, well, I think it, that point. Was, yeah. Go ahead. It, Sorry. It, it it was almost like they sensed that we weren't sure if to go for the third or sit back with what we had, mm -hmm. um, and I suppose the substitutions uh, bringing Willian on probably didn't worry them. Um, you know, they, they they could see that we weren't coming forward the way we were, and maybe you know it often happens. The the, the, the team that goes down to ten men feels they've got nothing to lose. The team with eleven yeah. men, we're ahead. We're at home. Do we put the knife in or do we just sit this one out? And, and mm. I think it only took two or three minutes. Thomas Partey, you can see, was getting tired. Um, it only took two or three minutes of that for them to suddenly begin to uh, push us more and more. And then kind of we had lost the, 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 the rhythm. We had lost the impetus. Yeah. Well, that brings us to what, for me, the low light was the fact that when it counted most, um, it seemed like we didn't have the, the big match temperament that was required to see a game like this out. We started to soak up pressure. We made conservative substitutions. We saw probably the shit William again, as far as I was concerned. I don't think he did much to help us. Um, you know, from being very organized along the right-hand side, I felt like Pepe kind of, you know, he brings a positional ambiguity, like, is he pressing? Is he half is he half tackling or not really tackling? He kind of, he doesn't seem to commit like we had with the youngsters when they were on. You know, they had more energy. They were in the face, Saka and Yes and Smithrow. They were, um, they seemed to be more engaged with what they were, they were doing. And both William and Pepe, if, if I have one criticism of them, is that they just seem to sometimes vacillate, you know, between not being, you know, doing anything in particular. And, and you brought up that point, Merv, as we weren't attacking and we weren't defending. We were just kind of hovering and and they took existing. advantage of that. Yeah, existing. And that that's not a that's not a way to get through a North London derby. So that was my low light. Um, um yeah. do you have anything, um, Olaf, that you felt was was your low light in the, in I the think, game? I, I think low light is is a, is a is a strong word in the context of what I'm about to say. I let me just call okay. it disappointed. I think that the way that uh, the opposition were today, 
Maybe my expectation of a party was most probably slightly higher than what he delivered across uh, the time that, that he was playing. Um, I think that Xhaka again did quite well. I think the back four were quite solid, uh, you know, from an attacking point of view and from a defensive point of view. A couple of good uh, 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 defensive saves made by the likes of or, or situations controlled by Louise and Gabriel with their heads. But I think um, I was just disappointed, I think, with Partey. I think that today would have been a great day if he was on song or even like he was uh, uh, in the last couple of games, even at that level. Um, I think that it would have made a, a, a difference to the scoreline by at least one, if not maybe two goals, as an example. So not a low light, um, but just a bit disappointed because I think that uh, a player of his caliber uh, could have really have stepped up well today and and would have validated why he is the the the, the, the type of player that we've uh, brought on board. Um, Merv, do you have any, anything to add to add to that regarding your low lights? It doesn't have to necessarily be like a you know like line the guy up and shoot him against the wall, okay. but just like something Sorry. disappointing, you know. I don't know how um, I don't know a low light, but I suppose the the, 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 the the for me it was disappointing that we didn't when they went down to ten uh, uh, grab the game and really not 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 ram the advantage home, but but really push them back and go for the third and even another one. Um, I understand that that they didn't want to lose, they didn't want to let Spurs back in, but at the time. Um, you could see that Spurs didn't have a lot to offer or didn't seem to have a lot to offer in that kind of middle of the second half. Uh, and the fact that we didn't just just go to kind of dig the knife in, if you like. Um, I like your word, uh, your expression, positional ambiguity. Um, and I think that there was possibly a little bit of that. We, we just didn't seem to know what to do. When we got the ball, when they came forward and it broke down, we didn't really seem to know. We were passing it out to the left and that's where a lot of the threat came from. But there was no, I suppose, direct kind of let's go for the third, let's get another one and, and, and put this game to bed. So the game management, I suppose, seemed to be, well, you know, we're ahead now. They've only got 10 men. Let's see what they got. I'm not saying that's what they said, but that, that's, that's how it came across. You know, we'll deal with whatever they've, they've got. We very seldom do that when we're in, on, on the front foot and then a, yeah. there's something in the game. Uh, like a Man City would or whatever else, we don't we don't ever really go for the jugular. I think there was one game or two games this season where we've done that a little bit. But generally speaking, when we're up even by just one goal and then they are down to 10, and this is just a historical thing that I've seen this season, like you say, it, it, it's an expectation to go, hey, guys, let's put our foot down and really overwhelm yeah. them at this particular right. juncture. And, and we, think- we just never do that. I think Arteta mentioned it maybe, it seems like he said almost exactly that, like maybe 10 days ago, he said, we need to develop the killer instinct and actually put put the game to bed, you know, and and in that sense, you know, the best form of defense really is attack, you know, put a bigger, as big a goal difference as you can between, you know, um, between us, and, and then you can soak up pressure and all that stuff because you've got a buffer. At 2-1, you know, you don't, you don't invite, you know, a, a, you know, an attacking force like you know the Spuns have, you know, to to park off on the edge of your box and just keep trying. I mean, like, you know, Merv, you mentioned game management, and it's it's been a thing that I've it's really upset me over the last, you know, couple of months because this this team just seems to not have the right game management. We we we, we make th- it's and it's not just at the end of the game, like in throw-ins, for instance. 
like not so much in this game, but in other games, it seems like our backs taking the throw-in seem to make the worst possible choice almost every single time that they make a throw-in. They pass it, you know, back to somebody who's under pressure or to somebody who on their wrong foot. Um, we lose possession, and I can't tell you. I mean, somebody will out there with with stats at hand will tell us how many times that's turned to, you know, either goals conceded or you know shots conceded. Um, but the, the game management thing, where does that come from? How does how do you fix that? I mean, surely it seems it seems obvious to us. Paul, quick question then. Now, I, I and again, I'm 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 in I'm in agreement with what you're saying. But this if this this maybe we um this question is answered in a statement. If if we're supposed to be on the front foot and the manager is saying that that's what he almost expects, you would almost expect the substitutions to reflect that at that particular juncture with Lamela Rolf. Why would you put on more defensive-minded people, take off a Lacazette as an example, and bring on an El Neni? And, and, and nothing against El Neni. I'm just, he, but he's not the he, he's not the front foot kind of guy. So if if if, if the idea is to overwhelm, <coughs> you've got to throw more manpower on that, that 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 helps the overwhelming. And if the manager's not doing it, then maybe he's not practicing what he's preaching. And this yeah. is on to sound negative now, but all I'm saying is that. Absolutely, we should be overwhelming, and but it come. But the starting point is put on some one or two, you know, uh, um, attacking players because that alone, at that particular juncture, frightens the crap out of your opponents when they're down to ten. As a, you know, as yeah, yeah. Your response to that before we move on to another topic, because you know I have some theories about the substitutions, but um. You know, basically what Olaf brought, brought on, did you find them conservative? Do you think it goes against what Arteta's trying to instill, or was it um, a measure of the moment in the game? I think it's a mixture of one and three. I think they were okay. quite conservative. It was about seeing the game out. And, you know, when when you do that, when you when you start to make those kind of substitutions, we've seen it, you know, we've, we've, we've all been watching football for a long, long time. Even if the the opposition are behind, it just gives them a boost. It's kind of like they're just seeing the game out now. So, and I think it's an invitation. I mean, like we won, we won a North London derby, and, and uh, yeah, over. I'll drink to that. Let's drink to yeah. that. Sorry, let's take a, a quick moment yeah, yeah, just yeah. to celebrate because it sounds like yeah. we're being very negative here, but we're not. Yes. Yeah, cheers to we're the right. Arsenal. We're, we're, North we're London is this. red. Thanks for reminding me. I'd like to to all of the comments and everybody watching because there's some good some classic very good comments on the right hand side which uh, i'm enjoying yeah. while we're talking anyway so may I finish your thoughts because we, we yeah i know I, I, what i was going to say is if you look at the stats in terms of possession in terms of chances created and everything yeah before the last 10 minutes we were so far ahead uh, it was ridiculous what was the first half it was kind of like 10 goal attempts to their one albeit they scored from their one um right. And, and it's kind of so it was it was a good performance. And had we just played the game out in at two one without inviting them on to us, we'd have been very comfortable and relaxed about it. Had a hard game on Thursday, had to fly back and stuff. Um, but it, it, it came close. And I think the fear is it came close to something like Burnley last week when we're, we're on top, we're controlling the game. Suddenly we, we shoot ourselves in the foot, which we didn't do today but uh, nearly did um and then it's kind of we then get nervous and we back pedal and and it yeah. could have happened today but thankfully maybe from this they'll take some comfort from the fact they managed to see it out um 
and uh, you know, a vital interception, Gabriel, great save from wow. Leno. Yeah, was it's a kind of it. Yeah, match winning. Yeah, match winning save. You know what you're talking about is, um, you know, like three or four games this season. The Wolves, I think, um, Aston Villa, um, Burnley. You know, games where it seemed like we were dominating and 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 we just couldn't convert and 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 you know we we yeah. either lost or drew. Today. You know, I, I started off the first 15 minutes going, will somebody please take a shot? You know, because we had all yeah. these chances and people were dying yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. We had these amazing crosses coming in and then people would just delegate responsibility down the line and then it would end up back in our half. Um, but then we did start taking shots and we hit the post, we hit the, yeah. <laughs> we hit the side, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, then I thought, shit, it's going to be one of those days, right, where we're just not going to be able to get it in the net, you know. Um mm. So that was difference, right? Was it only twice? It felt like no, no, there was like a third. I, I think there was a one, a third one in the, in the. Wasn't there a third one in the second half? It felt like there was. Oh. Anyway, but um, interesting because we we touched on it earlier and we haven't really spoken about the lineup. But obviously, the the main, you know, the main thing to talk about there was the late um, in dropping Aubameyang to the bench for for disciplinary reasons. I've heard that um, was maybe because he arrived late to the match or something. Is that what you've heard? Was any other theories going around? No, that's a theory. I, I, that's all I've heard. I mean, there was some talk on some of the um, Twitter conversations this morning that I, I saw about maybe not starting him and going with Lacazette, who presses more and and and, and kind of to to kind of push their defence back. I mean, I, I, I make my notes during the game. And after about 10 minutes, I wrote down, Tottenham defence has a mistake in it. Um, yes. I just felt... Alderweire really looked shaky, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. First 10, 15 minutes, I thought, you yeah, know, we must be up for something here. Um, so I think that uh, there's clearly something has happened. And as the captain and the leader, uh, you know, we've got a lot of young players now in the squad who look up to him. Uh, and, and that almost takes me back being old to like the George Graham day when we had a lot of young players coming through and some of the more established names who he had to begin to get rid of, uh, maybe weren't putting in a shift and the young players were bailing them out. Um, I'm not saying that's the case with Aubameyang at all. He's a fantastic striker. Um, I'm just concerned attitude-wise, you know, apparently this isn't the first time he's done this and, and, and you know, it, it, it's, it's concerning. Um, yeah. But other he's than that... I follow Dortmund, for example, so there, yeah. as in Germany, and they yeah. as well didn't arrive on time for team talks, or he arrived late uh, for. Maybe his cars broke down. He has some really suspect cars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's their Lamborghinis and the McLarens and stuff. You know, sometimes they just don't start. You know, it's like they're they they anyway. Anyway, that's sure. my theory. I'm sticking to it. What's Sorry, what's going to this week um, on his hand? <laughs> Just FYI. So he went. What did he have? A, he had a tattoo done to his hand. What's that this uh, week? I thought it was a while back in lockdown. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, but yeah, he, he went out of the bubble to have it done, um, apparently. Ah. Uh, but I don't did think he go all the way to that. Dubai because it no, didn't seem no, to no. help, didn't seem to affect William. <laughs> How's that for consistency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, there was some criticism leveled, obviously, at, Ar at um, Arteta. Um, oh, shit, we're going to lose this. And if you do, it's all on you because you've done that. Um, he won it, so that's a bullet dodged. We'll never know if if dropping Aubameyang was a good or a bad thing. 
at the moment, it seemed like a good thing. I, I tweeted at the time that um, I thought that our best performances this season had, funnily enough, been without him. When when yeah, yeah. when um, Arteta stumbled on the ES, you know, Smith Rowe, Lacquer, um, Tierney, Saka, kind of the youngsters, with Lacazette rejuvenated, you know, in that situation, I thought, hey, you know that. We can do this. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I had more confidence at the beginning of the game than I did even when we were ahead. So um, that was good. Um, let me see. Uh, there's some comments that I picked up here that I thought were worth discussing. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Um, uh, Merv, uh, Snorri yeah. Nikolaisen, I hope that's, I said that right, says, Odegaard <laughs> has had more positive impact on the team than any other signing, loan or buy done over the last two years. Do you have a theory on that? Yeah, I, I, I saw that come up and, and kind of I've, I've been concentrating on our conversation. I was trying to back up my mind think, who have we signed over the last couple of years? <laughs> uh, well, Pepe, Willian, Louis, you know. I mean, I like, uh, I like Odegaard. I think he's very neat and tidy, very comfortable in possession, uh, you know, treats the ball well. As you would expect, I guess, from somebody that that that's from 16, 17, has been seen as a future, you know, U European star, if not world star, has been in the, the Real Madrid family now for what two, three seasons, and, and been out on loan. But I mean, it's kind of he's got that cultured background behind him, and you can see it. Um, I, I I would say more. I know that that when Danny Ceballos came in at the beginning, we thought this was great, and then kind of it slipped. So then. Finally, I've been lockdown since lockdown started. It all improved. Um, I think Erdegaard is 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 a step up from that, uh, yeah. and I think he's a, an exceptionally talented player. Um, I don't think he, on his own, uh, will be able to kind of change the fortune. So I think you know, going into next season, assuming there's a couple more um, acquisitions, you know, a midfielder, Jaka, Party, Erdegaard, I'm not sure will take us into the top four. I know there's talk of someone like Grealish, for example, who might be uh, better for this team. Uh, but I certainly think Odegaard, to me, is a player I would like us to keep because he, yeah. he's we, we he's just very comfortable on the ball and, and he treats the ball well and he never wastes a pass uh, and he's always looking to do something. You know, you don't give up possession. And that, I think, comes from his, particularly in Spain, his, his, his background. You know, you don't give up possession. You keep it. Um, and I think, to be fair, that's the kind of way Arteta wants us to be, a little bit like Guardiola light. We don't have the De Bruyne's, the Mahrez's, the, the Ster Sterling's. But we do have players who, who like to keep the ball and like to treat the ball well. And so in that, yes. And I think he has. The last two or three games where he's pretty much had the central slot to himself, the central attacking role, um, I think he's been very, very good. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll just... Uh, uh, um... Val uh, corroborate what you're saying, Merv. Um, I think he was man of the match for me today. I think that uh, uh, he also he, he brings in energy into the midfield, um, and uh, and he also presses incredibly well. So mm. uh, that is something for me from that midfield position, where when when their mid op opponents midfield are trying to do something and he's in their face or even in the face like he was towards the end in the last 15 minutes in the face almost like a lone striker up front sometimes where he was in the face of uh, of Sanchez and Alderweireld as an example um, I, I think he had a great all-round performance and also um, um, he seems to be happy where he is he, he seems to be enjoying playing for the Arsenal and I think yeah. that that makes an absolute difference so 
Um, I, and I think that he's enjoyed wherever he's played. And I've said uh, on a previous pub, uh, 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 Gunnerstown pub, I've said, I really hope he stays next season, um, like you do, Merv. And I think uh, mm. Paul does mm. well, because um, I think he's great. And he seems to be happy where he is. And that enthusiasm, um, and yes, he's here on loan for six months, but it, but it feels slightly different. I mean, the guy's putting in the effort. He's not like, oh, okay, I'm only doing this for six months. And when I play, I play. He actually puts in a decent shift. He gets excited when somebody else scores. Um, he's happy for the team. And I think that that's a, it's a great example, again, to, to, to the more senior members of the squad or those that are going to be gone by the, by the summer. Right. I agree with, with all of what you're saying about Odegaard. I had one criticism. There was a point... There seemed to be a, a point for quite a big batch of the match where he found himself in between the lines and the ball was pinged to him and he pinged it back instead of dropping his shoulder like I've seen him do and, and turn and turn that into defense. So I felt like like a good portion of our transition, you know, our transition moments were blocked by him because of a conservative, you know, um, that, that, you know, when somebody pings it forward to you and they pick a pass through the lines, which Arsenal doesn't do that much down the middle when the guy who's got it doesn't isn't aware enough like a Fabregas kind of you know sixth sense awareness of okay I can turn and move when they just ping it back or even further back you know then it just feels very frustrating but I've noticed that you know and this is interesting is that I've noticed between Odegaard and Shaka and Party when they're playing you know in the midfield together is that role sometimes shifts you know and where Shaka might normally be the conservative one like in games like this today, I felt like he was the one who was dropping a shoulder and trying to move forward. And yeah, Partey did it. Partey did it a few times in the beginning, and got caught on it. There were a couple of times he didn't need to do it, and he did. And then he started becoming more conservative, and was I think that might be a tactic from Arteta's point of view of like don't be predictable, you know, having these yeah. players play different roles, because then it just you know if you go oh Shaq is going to get the ball, and he's just going to pass it backwards, then you don't press him, you know. But if Shaq suddenly turns and runs at you, and you know. Do you think that that's a tactic from Arteta? Is that is that something you thought through, Olaf? Uh, I think absolutely. I think and 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 why exactly for the reason you've stated? I think it's the element of surprise. It's to it, it prejudging a player and go, okay, this is the kind of thing that they does. You know, like a an Aubameyang running down the left and then cutting in on the right and then moving it towards the edge of the box and then taking that in swing right shot on goal as an example. I think that the if you cannot predict how a defensive midfielder like a party and a, and a, a Xhaka play, and they actually go on the front foot, it, it throws everything. The defenders are suddenly going, "Oh my God, what the hell is happening?" Because he's cut right, they're running right through the midfield. The midfielders are going, "Oh my God, I better run back!" And suddenly there's like chaos in the opponent's half, and you could see mm. it a few times today, exactly today because you know this, uh, the 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 spuds didn't know, the players didn't know where to go because suddenly. There was one time I think where Jacques went like poof, run ran all the way almost to the goal line, you know, right. which was like was amazing. I mean, I thought it was fantastic, you know. But then the moment he lost the ball or the ball where whatever happened there, he was back and he was standing. He ran. He didn't. You didn't. And I think Odegaard covered for him too in that position. Exactly. Mm. The three of them yeah. are covering for each other on an ongoing basis. So when one's forward, the other two are staying back. And I think that that again, that's the element of surprise. And 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 I think that that. The, the indecisiveness within your opponents to know what they're going to do is an advantage to you and your attacking and flair-type players up front as well. Mm. 
Right. So be unpredictable, kind of that. Um, I think that element really helps. This Carl Scott just posted this um, comment while we were while you were talking. I'm saying that, in my opinion, is the best starting eleven. The balance was good and creative. We kind of touched on this, but Merv, um, mm. it seemed like that starting eleven knew what they what they had to do. I didn't feel yeah. any of that indecisiveness. There was, you know, and and talking about balance, you want to talk, you want to just you know talk through this comment because I think probably most of us agree. Um, the I balance. Think yeah, I, I think it was good. I think that the team seemed to have confidence in, in what they, they were supposed to do. Um, and, and there had been, I suppose, a trade had been made because, you know, Aubameyang, obviously, for various reasons, couldn't start. But, you know, when, when he runs, draws defenders, it maybe creates space for somebody else or it creates angles for passes. Um, but I felt that, that, that Saka in particular Saka and Smith-Rowe in the kind of wide midfield slots, were playing very, very well. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, I think, was tremendous today. Uh, the understanding he has with Tierney, one goes, the other stays back and vice versa, playing the balls in for, for crosses. Um, I think that it was a very balanced team. Uh, I mean, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago to write down Arsenal's strongest starting eleven, I might not have put that team down. Uh, but I would think I'm not just you know, drunk on a yeah a Mother's Day couple of glasses of prosecco at lunchtime and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, a North London week. But um, yeah, it, it's I, I felt it was balanced. I was thinking you know during the first half and into the second half, particularly once we were two one up, that yeah, this could be the starting eleven. Um, uh, on, obviously not for every game, but it seemed to be. Having Smith-Rowe and Erdegaard there uh, seem to, to create, I suppose, they're able to create problems for uh, opposing defences. Tierney clearly creates problems because, you know, he, he's everywhere and kind of coming forward, the energy he's got, and the ability to go on and retrieve the ball in tight situations uh, is tremendous. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's, I know we've, we've, we've tried, you know, Pepe on the left, Saka on the right, and then Willian on the left and, and, and Saka or Pepe on the right. But I think, and whilst when Smith-Rowe first came to the right, it was like he was being pushed wide to accommodate Erdegaard because having signed him on loan, we needed to use him. But I think that gradually, after three, four, five games, it, it, it's working well. And I think, you know, the, the understanding is there. They seem to know where each other are going to go. Mm. Um, and, and I felt it at various times, Ben Benfica, not Benfica, Olympiacos, the, the, the other night, that there seemed to be an understanding. People yeah. didn't have to get the ball, look up and think, what do I do with it? Right. It's almost like, not quite the Invincibles, uh, obviously, <laughs> but it's almost intuitive. You know if you pass it there, Emil Smith-Rowe is going to be there. You know if you put it through. You know Thomas Partey's coming up. You trust him to win the ball and use it. Um, right. And that kind of trust and understanding we haven't seen partly because the team keeps chopping and changing, uh, but also this could be a settled 11, albeit I'm sure that the, the Aubameyang will play in the next game and a couple might get rested because um, we've got West Ham next, haven't we, as a league game. Is it? Have I got that right? After Olympiacos, I think, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. As a league game. Um, I just, before I pass that over to you, um, Olaf, um, I think there's something to be said for the fact that the players that started are those who've been the most consistent and more importantly uh, mike mcdonald who's a regular on on the pub 
and 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 writes an amazing uh, match review um, called Positive Needs and Hopes on on Gunnerstown. If you don't re if you read anything on Gunnerstown, you know, make sure that you read those because he's he's a coach. He has an incredible insight. He sees things that I don't see, and he sees the game from a completely um, other perspective. But he's always talked about Arsenal needing athletic midfielders, people with energy, people with awareness, and and you know, um, you know, just athletic, comfortable with the ball at their feet, able to run. And that lineup had that. You know, I felt that we literally ran circles around Spurs in the first, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. You know, in fact, we had we had their number. They looked static. Um, and I think that was down to the fact that that selection um, that didn't include Willian and Pepe mm -hmm. and Aubameyang, who Aubameyang not, is, is not in Well, he is. He's, he's, had a, he's had quite a brown patch. He's been fairly inconsistent this season. William and Pepe are, you know, criticized for being inconsistent. Those guys that won the pitch today have generally always delivered six or seven plus out of ten. Olaf, would you agree with that? Would you say that I, that's I, I think that what the youngsters also bring, the Erdegaards, the Smith Rowe, the Saka, and 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 the Pepe and and what uh, some uh, as well to a degree, they also bring a conf a self-confidence that's been built up in them through performances and through the manager and whatever else. But there were large periods of the game today where we were actually doing one touch passing, which I thought was also very interesting. It's not something that I'd seen us do before. And that split second of, of and, and was especially with the, with the likes of a, of an Emil Smith Rowe and a Tierney and a, and an Erdegaard, for example, and, and just the ability of those youngsters doing one touch pass the moment it comes to them suddenly creates so much more time because then everybody else is getting into position for the next pass to come. So I think that absolutely everything that you said, Paul, excuse me now, the, the daiquiri is like, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take it? Do you want to take another sip? <laughs> Cheers, everybody that's, that's still watching. By the way, the worst, there was only one really bad thing about today. Imagine we can say North London is red. Imagine the fact that we beat Spurs, but we're still in the same position on the table. That's maybe the only slightly disappointing part for me. <laughs> that, that is. Hey, so there was another. Um, there was another quite a large incident um, that, that that needs discussion, and that's um, the penalty. Um, Merv, do you want to start us off on your thoughts of that? Because I've got some um, that may be uh, different to other people's. Uh, I'm going to go way back into my youth here. And uh, when I was a, a youngster standing in the schoolboys, not even had made it round to the North Bank yet. Um, <laughs> there was a game, I think it was a League Cup replay. It was somebody, a defender, someone like John Roberts, who we used to have, the 70-71 double team hat. And there was a game, I've forgotten who again. I want to say Crystal Palace. It might not have been. It was an evening game. And... He kind of like kicked somebody. He fouled somebody after the ball had gone out. And it was a penalty. And I just couldn't understand how the ball wasn't in play. Uh, but of course, it was, it was I, I didn't have a full grasp of the rules. And it's like, no, it's a foul. It's a foul in the penalty area. I was told whether the ball was in play or not. Right. Um, and I got kind of that stuck with me. So my first reaction today was oh it was after the ball was played and then I thought but hold on a minute that shouldn't make any difference and then I thought well with VAR and how it's been going for us recently they might have rewritten these rules or something I don't know but but it was clearly 
well, to me, it was clearly a foul. I'm sure that Spurs fans, and I know a few, uh, will say something <laughs> different uh, and say, you know, he'd already, you know, he's, he'd, he'd had his shot. It was just, you know, follow through. He couldn't stop himself, you know, it, 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 that kind of thing. But I think, you know, it, it was a foul. It was a foul in the box and it didn't matter whether he'd already had his shot, uh, whether the board gone out of play, it was a foul. Alaf, my side. Uh, Alaf, my side. When uh, watching it in, in in real time, just your thoughts. Uh, just, just as it happened, or yes. in no, real time. No, that's my answer. Watching watching it in real time, I said, "Oh yeah, hell, that's a pen." Then when they were doing the the replays, when they were now going to go to VAR, I thought, "Oh god, no! This is they they because the ball was kicked away and he had no chance of actually getting there, and then he was fouled." I then I could just see one of those idiots uh, at, uh, at at VAR go no that wasn't although I do like Michael I mean the the, the referee today I, I, of all the English referees I rate him quite highly anyway so but I but I but I I, I thought it would go fifty fifty the moment it went to VAR seeing it in real time yes absolutely going to VAR I thought oh god no we could it could be overturned and just when we actually needed it when we then got it I was actually more pleased. Then the first time in in re when I watched it in real time and said yes it was a pen in my head you know so yeah. um, but yes it, I think it deserved to be a pen if for no okay. other reason than that kind of tackle and it was quite high up on the leg and all of that kind of stuff in the penalty area um, is a pen any given day of the week so uh, or or a foul in normal play any day right. of the week absolutely it's a pen. I, okay I thought I thought maybe my um my take was going to be very dissimilar to both of yours but actually it was the same kind of thing is that um except i didn't have the the luxury move of having witnessed john roberts before he became a supreme court justice um you know doing whatever he did in that game um you know so and i think what you know in my defense what happened is is whether it was the commentators or just the overall um expectation is that the penalty would be awarded because somebody um you know impacted a shot on top you know like tripped him, you know, affected his shot. And that's normally why penalties are given. You know, like David Luiz, when he fucking, you know, oh, wait, he just, the other guy kicked him. Sorry, that's not a good uh, example. But, um, yeah, so, you know, normally it's that. And so when they showed it in VAR, I was like, well, Lacazette has quite obviously, like, missed that shot completely, you know. So, you know, it's not going to be a penalty. And so I think I tweeted, I was like, that's not a penalty. And then the penalty was given and the yellow card or the yellow card and then the, pen, the goal, I mean, the penalty. Um, and I was, I was fairly relieved. And then I thought, oh, of course it's a fucking penalty. It's like it's a, it's a foul after the guys, you know, like kicked it. The same as Harry Kane should have been sent off for fouling Gabriel after he cleared the ball. It's, it's you know, it, it should have been a penalty. And there's people on the comments, um, oh, sorry, this guy, same guy, um, Carl Scott said, penalty all day. Anyone gets clattered anywhere else on the pitch after the ball has gone, free kick. Unless it's Harry Kane, in which case you get away with it completely. And then um, Thomas uh, Thomas says, penalty, if it was awarded against us, I wouldn't be happy. But on the other side, if this happens outside penalty, it is a free kick all day long. Well, yeah, then it's got to be penalty yeah and, and likely also uh, um, uh, um, outside of the penalty area it would have been a yellow card over and above being a free kick um well he did get the yellow so yeah 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 when he got the yellow then i thought oh cool that means we're going to get the penalty yes there. exactly it was a bit of a it was a it was a bit of a spoiler which is a huge relief for me 
but uh, Lacazette has been great at taking penalties. I've, you know, he's gone left a lot, um, and I think that's probably why Larice went there. But um, that was that was a really confident penalty kick, and I'm I'm glad it fell to him because I I have a weak spot for Lacazette. I, I thought he was good actually today. I thought he ran and ran, and Arteta was saying laka 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 laka. You could hear him saying laka 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 laka. <laughs> The whole game, and he did it. And and going back to your point about the substitutions being a bit conservative, um, Olaf, I noticed that at the point that Nalneni was brought on for Lacazette, which is a conservative substitution, he could have brought Martinelli or someone, but Lacazette was at the point where he he just looked like he'd run his race. You know, he couldn't go any further. Um, Talk about so, Martinelli quickly. Sorry. We are disappointed that Martinelli is not playing. I, he wasn't even I, on the bench. I, 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 I'm flabbergasted, to be yeah, honest, because we don't actually talk about it because he's not on the on 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 the on the in any of the games that that anybody's been that we've been having the pub on. But I'm really disappointed that he's not playing, and I think that today, the way that the 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 other team were playing today, um, I thought it would have been a brilliant day for him with that energy level and booming and 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 running down the wings and coming in inside. I thought it would have been an awesome game for him to play. I'm I'm really I'm really quite disappointed with do you, the fact that we're not seeing him. Do you think Al Neni's um, bullet of a goal against Olympiakos um, meant that Arteta was like, oh, he not only like can run three marathons during a game, you know, El Neni, but he also has like <laughs> he has that in his locker, you know, that you know might put the fear of of God into Larice. Do you think that might have convinced him? You know, like a, a couple of long shots from El Neni, you know, to put. You know, keep Larice honest. Um, Merv, I, we, I don't get did, it. I don't know why Martinelli is not not feet. I don't. It's it. It's interesting because I suppose you know over the last five to ten years, um, with the advent of social media and Twitter, uh, when when things like this are happening, there's always somebody on Twitter who kind of has got an inside take on it, whether they have or not, you know, it seems to have inside, oh, it's because of this, because of that. It's because his agent, you know, is pushing for a rise or because, a bit like the, um, Some conspiracy. Uh, I know, with the Balogun and stuff. It, it, but th 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 there might well be something behind the scenes we don't know about. Uh, it might be that, you know, he wants to play in the centre and, and Arteta doesn't want him to. He doesn't think his head's in the right place. Uh, it might be that he he's coming back or has come back from a serious injury and he came back and then got injured again. And then maybe just I know, beefing him up uh, for next season when the chances are we probably will sell Lacazette uh, and maybe yeah, a couple of others from the forward line. So the forward line next year might be quite different. Um, but then if, if you were looking at him as a project for next season, you would want to give him game time, particularly a game like today, where they're chasing the game down to 10 men. Uh, that would be the ideal time to bring him on. If, yeah, if, and when he you think of his, on, if he was there on the bench. And you think of his impact in that Chelsea game, which was huge. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously one of those players that seems to rise to the occasion. Um, you know, um, and his energy pressing from the front, best form of defence is attack. You know, he can... You know, he can do a lot. I mean, I've seen him do a lot single-handedly, pressing three or four people in a row, you know, just on his own. That's the kind of thing he wants in that, the last 15 minutes of a, of a derby where, you know, you, you've got to um, f 
find some some way of keeping them at bay. And I think Martin yeah. Lely is a bit like a sheepdog. You know, he does that. <laughs> you know, anyway, with Arteta, maybe he should have a whistle. You know, like for the automat automatisms. Maybe yeah. Arteta needs one of those sheepdog whistles. You know, like boop, 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 and everyone just you run left, you run right, you run right. You know. Has anyone thought of that? Anyway, that you yeah, can call no. it the Hepka, the Hepka whistle, but I think a coach with like, oh, you're not allowed whistle. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, okay. no, no, no. The, the reason. The only one with a whistle. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. So maybe I've had too much gin. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry about that. For a moment there, I thought I was being brilliant. Um, anyway, I'd like to just go on to um, your man of the match. Do you have one? Do you think it was a team of the match? Do you think it was a team effort or... Is there anyone you'd like to single out? Um, Olaf, why don't you start with you? Okay. Um, I think the team as a whole did well. Um, I think they were, you know, other than I think some one or two disappointed. We discussed that earlier. Um, but but if I have to make a choice for man of the match, I'd most probably one for the goal and two just for the uh, for his positioning and, 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 and a lot of the energy and stuff that he brought to, to bear. I'd must probably give it to to Martin Odegaard for the day. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lacazette. Sorry, I was just about to. Because this is recorded for posterity, what gets uh, trashed. But I would be very disappointed if Lacazette were to leave. Just, I'm with you on that, Paul. So I, okay. I, I like I like Lacazette a lot, um, and yes, so I won't give it to him though. I'll give it to Martin. But uh, but but yes, uh, just for the recording uh, in case. Something happens in the future, I'll be disappointed should he leave. Okay, um, Merv, your man of the match. Uh, now, I, 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 I would have gone for Erdegaard as well, but uh, I've, I've done a few of these pods now, so I know that we tend to, to each choose somebody different. Um, I, <coughs> part of me wants to say Gabriel because he stuck to his task that 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 header away when they were pressing at the end. Um, I felt his presence was very strong today, um, and and I, I was a bit concerned that you know Kane might you know he he's new this season to the Premier League. Kane might kind of bully him a bit, um, but it, it did. He he kind of yeah. I, I thought he did well. Um, I think yeah had if I'm honest, I think I had a little bit of luck with Son being injured early because I think we would have been stretched a lot more on the counter attack um, had he been there. Um, so I, I kind of, the, 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 I would like to give it to Erdegaard, but I, if, if I'm different, I would say Gabriel, because I felt he was strong towards the end, although I know others would say to me Louise was. Um, but I like Gabriel's first season. I like the way he puts him in there. Um, and, and you know, the, the goal the other night, although that's not a reason to be man of the match today, um, and it, which he nearly repeated. It was like he was trying to repeat it. Um, I just felt he was strong when we needed him to be strong. And he wasn't phased by clearly, you know, Kane attempting to physically intimidate him towards the end. Right. No, I can agree with that. Um, I would. I, it would be a cop out if I went for a, um, you know, for a team man of the match. But um, you know, for the time for the for the time that he was on the pitch, I thought Emil Smith Rowe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was kind of the glue between like a lot of our most effective attacking moments he was ready to run he made countless runs that were ignored by our midfield i mean he made uh, countless runs that were actually you know met with good through balls and he he did fairly well his his end 
his end um, delivery could be a bit better, but I thought that he was, um, I thought that he was amazing. And it's interesting because, um, you know, people were, were umming and eyeing at Lacazette missing some of the shots that, you know, he did that weird dummy step over thing and he missed, you know, he pushed, poked one wide and um, people were like, oh, if Aubameyang was on the on the pitch, he would have got those. I think Aubameyang would have been on the left wing where Smith Rowe was. Um, I think Lacazette was probably always going to play through the middle. That's my theory. Um, in which case I thought having Smith Rowe on the pitch actually might have, you know, in Arteta's credit, to his credit, it might have actually been um, a good move. Uh, it helped. So here's a probably, you may not even want to go here, but um, for lack of a better, um, for a better word, um, who do you think was the weakest link tonight? Olaf. Oh, gosh, on the spot. Weakest link. Uh, I'm going to keep this answer short. I don't think there was a weakest link. Um, I think, though, that uh, if Party was playing to... <coughs> That again, the party was playing to his true potential or played a bit better, like he has done for us uh, before. I think we would have, we, uh, they, it would, uh, we would have been on a, on a, on a slightly different level. Um, and then I think that we would have been able to run riot a bit and, and actually score those additional goals that Merv was talking about earlier, um, the quite easily, I think. So, okay. um, it's it's a yeah it's a I don't want to pinpoint anyone. I'm sorry. But, yeah, it does seem like a bit of a tough thing to throw yeah. out to somebody because I don't know how else to phrase this. But like um, you know, th there is some competition for places, you know, yes. to be honest, which is good. Um, you know, but Jose Mourinho is the weakest link, so we can at least agree on that. Who's the weakest link? Jose Mourinho. He's always the oh yeah, he's <laughs> yeah <laughs> the special one. Yeah. Special, so special. Uh, Merv, Merv, do you have any players that you felt disappointed in tonight, or that that were maybe not up to the regular scratch, or even up to scratch, or you know? Um, um no. Um, I, I I would really struggle. Um, yeah, Partey didn't have uh, a stronger game all round for the ninety minutes, or for however long he was on the pitch. Um, as he has done previously, that could be because, again, he's still coming back to full match fitness and he had a full game on uh, against uh, Olympiacos. Um, yeah, Cedric, I thought, did very well. Uh, Tierney was great. Uh, Luis didn't really make any mistake. I, I would be struggling. Um, I saw some Twitter comment about Pepe, albeit his, his, his pass for the penalty or for the shot that led to the penalty was, was very, very good. Maybe... With Spurs getting a bit stretched, um, I was looking to him to do a little bit more to kind of keep them on their toes. Um, but maybe he just wasn't getting the passes. Um, mm -hmm. I'm struggling to name one player. Um, okay. I, I, it's interesting because you mentioned Cedric as a kind of a positive, And um, I felt like he, I even saw in his own reactions to some of the things that he'd done, I felt like he had, um, he didn't have his, his best game. Um, but the one thing I, I did, interestingly enough, is I found Leno's distribution tonight um, didn't help us much. I found that he cleared the ball, or even under no pressure, seemed to pass the ball completely back into um, danger, danger areas and gave away possession. And, and that, for me, was, I was just going to say, Leno um, didn't have the... I don't know if it's a, if it's a problem with his distribution in general or... Um, but 
I'm being a bit of an asshole saying that, to be honest. So <laughs> let's no, move on. No, it, <laughs> you know, it's hard when you've won a North London derby finally and North London is red. And oh, let's just drink to that. North London is red, people. Yes. It seems a little bit of a like a low blow to, to pull out a weakest link on a team that's just beaten Jose Mourinho's spunts. Um, anyway, so... Uh, the last little section before we, we close out is um, is this, headlight. So just looking ahead, um, you know, considering the Aubameyang situation and considering Europa League coming up and our position in the league, um, our chances of getting back into Europe. Um, Merv, anything we should be looking out for? Do you have any, if you shine your headlight on Arsenal's future, what do you see? Um, I, I, I'm going to repeat something I think I said a few weeks ago. Uh, um, I, I think to really overhaul the squad to get the kind of squad Arteta needs, we need Champions League football. A, to have the money uh, to go for players and B, to have the football to attract them. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is winning the Europa League. So I personally, and I know that... Um, I see the conversations on Twitter. I know that a lot of people don't agree with that. I think the Europa League is the most important. Um, the fact that to win it, you know, the chances are we are going to have to beat certainly two out of United, Spurs. Um, oh, there's a, a strong Spanish team in there, isn't it? And even Rangers, maybe. Either over two legs or in a final uh, is risky. Um, but I think for me, that's the most important thing, and also not to not to let silly points drop in the league. Um, I think you know they're still in with a shout for finishing sixth. I think um, I think the top four is obviously beyond us, um, and I think it, it's about positioning ourselves for next season to 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 to, to be top four. Um, but I think to do that, we we kind of need to go for the Europa League, and I hope we can. Um, I think. I think we've we've got we've got a good enough starting kind of thirteen or fourteen, um, as we can see. Because you know, I mean, Aubameyang didn't start today. We still played well. We, Smith Rowe was missing for a few weeks. Yeah, we've got Erdegaard now as well. So I think that's that extra. You know, Sabios didn't get on the pitch today. Um, so we've got that. I think we're we're we're, we're still. You know, if if Jaka, I know Jaka has a lot of people that don't like him, but I mean, if Jaka's can't start, we start El Nene in that position, or maybe ultimately Party will be in that position. So I think it kind of weakens us, but I think yeah, it, it, we're getting there. I think the focus has to be to not drop silly points in the league and make mistakes. And uh, for me, it's to focus on the Europa League. I love your headlights. What do you see when you shine it into the dark cave of the future? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm as always, I'm not going to disagree with you and Merb at all. So I'm, I'm going, yes, cool. Um, but I, the one thing that I do want to do is I want, I want to do a laser, a short-term laser headlight. Okay. Which is the fact that uh, Arteta coming out today saying Aubameyang wasn't starting because of a disciplinary issue, I think there's still going to be some potential fallout, which concerns me in the short term in relation to how the team engages with each other and their own confidence level, because that was, it was almost for me, uh, it was not what I would expect of an Arsenal manager. It felt a doesn't bit seem like, classy, does it? 
Uh, yeah. It felt like a Jose Mourinho throw the player under the bus because he didn't specify what he did, but yet he clearly did. But he, but he was very happy to specify he did something, and that's why why he was there. Um, and it wasn't just anybody. It was we're talking about the captain who, and again, that's a separate discussion. Which um, you know whether he should be the captain or or not be the captain of the club from a leadership perspective, etc. But but uh, but a player like that, uh, and now our highest paid player and whatever else. I'm just concerned that in the next couple of days, the next week, or, or if this isn't handled properly, um, the little embers of what, are, what, what it could turn into be a raging fire, um, and then the fallout of that on play, performance, and outcomes. That mm. is my laser headlight. That's interesting take. Um, you know, it, it is, I mean, it's an important event, I think, in in, in you know, we've had these captain issues. A lot of people that I've seen on Twitter have said, let's just make Kiratini captain already. You yeah. know, he's, he was an amazing captain for you know, Celtic for so long. He's not the guy who's going to, he's just, he's going to play it by the book and he's solid and he's young and he's a great leader. I think it would be a good call. But regarding Aubameyang, I must say, I saw him warm up and he looked a bit sad as like a reserve warm up, you know, before the game. And you saw him sitting on the bench and stuff. And I'm just wondering, um, I think a lot rests on how Aubameyang takes it. You know, um, he could take this in the wrong way. He might even have, he might have even acknowledged that he deserved this because um, he seemed to come out and just and and just face the music, as it were. Where I think it would have been easy for a player just to say, "Well, I've got a stomach bug," and just not, you know, not appear. And I, I'm hoping, uh, Olaf, that we we avert any kind of Özil-esque. Um, situation where we've got somebody earning you know three hundred thousand pounds a week and and not playing for the arsenal that we've just got rid of one you know we don't need another one um i'm let's see maybe he'll start for olympiacos and then we can just um breathe a sigh of relief yeah, i don't think it, i don't think it'll be a, it, i don't think it'll get to that point quite quickly all i'm saying though is that it's very in con in, in in context of what we've been the the manager's been talking about for months and months and months now and the general feeling within the club and the stuff we see on the social media via the club and whatever, it just suddenly today, of all days, to even mention a disciplinary thing <coughs> at, at, uh, against your fiercest local rivals, as an example, I just, I just thought it, was, it wasn't Texas, very, yeah. very well Te thought and, yeah. and, I'm, and, and And there might be, in, as I say, as I said earlier, in the next week or two, Maybe a little bit of a fallout and whatever else, and people uh, within the club and and within the team are maybe going, oh, okay, shit, we can. That's the kind of thing we do now. Okay, didn't I didn't think we were that kind of you know that that, that type, but anyway, be it as it may. Right. Um, there's an interesting comment here. Amir says Katie he agrees with me. Katie deserves to be the captain, and he also says without no Alba, we did amazing, which is true. Um, so yeah we're at the end of this this podcast um you guys i was going to ask about predictions for olympiacos but i'm hoping that we did enough in the first leg um to see us through um do you think we will move yes fully expect yeah. it um how about you olaf uh it would be a failure of gargantuan proportion <laughs> gargantuan failure Oh my goodness! Well, no, it, you last, just said it. And last season was bad enough. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, goodness. 
Correct. And the demons can only visit us so often within the yes. same kind of context. So I'm going for the yes. And if even, and I don't, actually, you know what? I don't give a, I don't give a dog's poop if we scrape through and, and, and actually get to the quarters. Um, but I think that the way that they are as a team and with their manager, <coughs> so much pressure, et cetera, like they were uh, on their home turf. Um, I think we would, I think we could easily, beat them by a goal goal or two although i think that we should try and beat them by a lot more and send out a message to all the other guys that are then also going to go through to the quarterfinals thereafter to to be very wary and and so on of us but yes i think absolutely we'll get through if How not do you say- if, if not then there'll be a lot of drinking that's going to be happening in this household thereafter yeah how do you say deja vu in greek <laughs> Because if we don't picture the scene, okay, we're what three one up, and they and they're three one up at home, and Obama Yang has a sitter in front of an open goal, kind of like he did last season, and he misses it. Now that would turn this whole tale on its on its sorry little head, wouldn't it? You know, we'll Obama it. Yang would go from hero to zero, and yeah. In a heartbeat. Anyway, hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't not think it's going to happen. happen. Not going to. It's happen. not going to happen. We're not. Shouldn't no, even be no. talking about it. Anyway, yeah. guys, it's um, it's been over an hour now. It's been a, it's been a wonderful chat. It's been so nice to have you in the pub, um, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I did indeed. Thank you for hosting me. Oh, Thank you my my you. pleasure. Thank you for having you guys. And North London is red. We beat the Spunts and we beat Mourinho. And Arteta oh. doesn't have that horrible record to his name. Come on, you guys. Yes. Okay. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everybody.